0: Hello, this is Andrew Gamson, host of the Speaking for Him podcast. Very thankful that you have chosen to spend some time with us today. And today we will be continuing our month-long celebration of thankfulness. When, as we talk about being thankful that Jesus died on the cross, and I'm very excited to dig in to that topic with you. I want to remind you on the top of this show that I would really like to share on the show what you are thankful for. Uh, so if you have something that you would like me to include next week, you can contact me by email at andrew at speakingforhim.com or you can go to speakingforhim.blogspot.com and drop a comment via audio on the blog or you can leave a comment on the Facebook page. So three very easy options to interact with the show and those will roll again as we wrap up today. So I just wanted to make you aware of that, but um, and now I'm really excited to get into our topic, but before we do that, I want to share with you what is going on. All right, well, first of all, I want to let you know that I had the privilege recently of listening to episodes three through five of the Multi-Voice Pilgrim's Progress Project I'm so excited to share that with you in early 2021. As soon as all the episodes are complete, I will begin airing them on a weekly basis on this podcast, so I'm very excited to share that with you and also to press on to spring of 2021 when I hope to bring to life the story of Anne of Green Gables. By L.M. Montgomery. So be aware of that and be on the lookout for new announcements regarding that. You can find Speaking for Him Readers Theater group on Facebook and join that if you want to be kept abreast of all announcements related to future audio projects. I'm just very excited to have been able to work with so many talented people to bring that story to life and I can't wait for you to hear it. All right. Well, this next thing I want to talk about and what's going on is um, this past Sunday as I was coming home from church, I received word that we had lost a TV legend and that person is Alex Trebek, the longtime 37 year host of Jeopardy. And I wanted to take a couple minutes to just reflect on that in a couple different levels. First of all, usually when celebrities die, I don't think much of it. And I really uh, have a hard time resonating with people who get emotional over the death of a celebrity. But in Alex Trebek's case, I did tear up when I heard the news. Um, it's been a childhood tradition of mine that has continued into adulthood to watch Jeopardy with the family and specifically with my father. Um, at 7.30 every weeknight pretty much um, we watch Jeopardy and if we miss an episode we catch up for the week on our DVR. It's one of the few shows that we basically never miss an episode because it's very important uh to us. And over the years I have just... Really been impressed with the way that Alex Trebek does his job, and I have taken the Jeopardy test several times over the last few years in hopes of becoming a contestant at some future time. And I still hope that will be the case, but it will be different without Alex. And there's a couple things I want to say as I end this part. Uh, first of all, I don't know what the situation with Alex and his faith was all indications from an interview that I saw that he did last year um, prior to his death was that he did not know Jesus personally as savior. Um, And so I don't know where he is spending eternity, but I do know that if we do not choose Jesus before we slip into eternity, uh, that is, Uh, the only choice. There's only two places that we can go, either heaven or hell. And so Alex Trebek's death, as so many other deaths have, made me think about the brevity of life and how little time we have and how we need to appreciate other people in our lives, but also how we need to be prepared to go into eternity when the Lord calls us home. So if I could Give an encouragement to you. It would be to embrace Jesus. And I think this is actually a really good introduction to today's show because we're talking about being thankful for Jesus dying on the cross and for what the cross represents. So as we dig into that, I think this is a good, uh, actually a really good introduction to that. And because whenever someone dies that I'm close to or someone uh, in the popular culture dies, that is what I think about. I think about, well, where is their eternity going to be and how thankful I am that my eternity is sealed in heaven. Well, I want to end this segment uh, basically by sharing with you a statement made by the executive producer of Jeopardy and um, talking about Alex and what he meant to... The, the staff and the fans of jeopardy. And so I'm going to share that. And then we will move on to the main segment of our show.
1: I'm Mike Richards, the executive producer of jeopardy over the weekend. We lost our beloved host, Alex Trebek. This is an enormous loss for our staff and crew for his family And for his millions of fans. He loved this show. And everything it stood for. In fact, he taped his final episodes less than two weeks ago. He will forever be an inspiration for his constant desire to learn. His kindness. And for his love of his family. We will air his final 35 episodes as they were shot. That's what he wanted. On behalf of everyone here at Jeopardy, thank you for everything, Alex. This is Jeopardy.
0: All right, well, here we are at the main segment of our show, and as I said, we are... Contemplating Thankfulness this month of November, and today's topic is Be Thankful that Jesus Died for Your Sins. So we're going to dig into what that means for us uh, as we look at the cross and are are focused on gratitude for Jesus' sacrifice, and so I'm going to start with our quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes to us from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, which reads, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And I think it's such a key thing that Jesus died for our sins. He was the only one that could atone for our sins. You know, I've often heard pastors or other speakers say, that it would be hard for them to give up their sons for us, for other people. But the reality is no one has a son that is worthy of dying for me or dying for my sins other than the living God whose son is Jesus. And so that's where our focus is. That's how we are drawn, hopefully, to the cross today. So what are some aspects about the cross and what it means in the life of the believer? The first thing is the cross gives us power. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 So I think it's very interesting here that the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. If you look at at the government and the culture, a lot of times people are waging war against the cross uh, because they want to get it removed. And why would it need to be removed other than because people think it's foolish? Um, If it was just a normal thing in the culture, they wouldn't have any reason to have it removed. But it is uh, foolishness to them, and it it doesn't mean anything to them. It's interesting uh, that the the lyric of the Old Rugged Cross says this, In the Old Rugged Cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. So some people see the cross as foolishness, those who are of the world. But those who are of the Lord Jesus Christ see it as something to be revered, and something that is the very power of God. Without the cross, there is no empty tomb. And so we can be thankful that the cross gives us power. It is the power of God in our lives, the empty cross is today. The second thing is that the cross is the gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, uh, there were people that said to him, come down off the cross, if you are the Savior, save yourself and us. But the reality is that there was no way that he could come down from the cross and actually save us. He needed to stay on the cross and die so that we could be saved. So it was actually in the staying on the cross that he did the saving that was requested, because it was not understood. One of the most interesting aspects of this time on the cross for Jesus that I think of is the thief on the cross. And it's interesting to me because in Matthew it indicates that both thieves were mocking Jesus. Both thieves were casting aspersions and cursing him. And at some point, the one thief realized that Jesus wasn't responding the way a human would to these insults. He wasn't giving him back. He wasn't jabbing. He wasn't fighting for his life. When he did cry out, he cried out on behalf of others and said things like, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said, Woman, behold thy son. And to John he said, Behold thy mother. These are the type of things that the thieves were witnessing. And at one point, one of the thieves realized that this was not just a mere man. And he said this, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. There was no chance for the thief to do any good things. There was no chance for the thief to improve his attendance record at the local synagogue. All he could do was trust that Jesus could save him. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the gift of the cross. The thief on the cross emphasized it when he said, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. The third thing is that the cross is a rescue. Romans 5, 6-8 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, sometimes we might like to think in our flesh that we're pretty good people. We haven't done any of the serious sins, or we haven't done certain sins in a long time. We're doing pretty well. But the Bible tells us that there was no strength in us, and that while we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It wasn't that we were almost complete and then he finished us off. No, it was rather that we were dead and he made us alive. This is so important for us to understand. We are not mostly good. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is so important for us to grasp. The cross is a unifier. And boy, do we need unity right now. I think it's funny that so many people are calling for unity after this election. And they're saying we need to unify. We need to uh, be Americans first. We need to be together. But whenever the world talks about unity, they look everywhere else but to the cross. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. None of us is more important than someone else in the kingdom of God. We have all been given the name of, of a son or a daughter of God, if we have trusted Him. Without Him, we can do nothing. With Him, we can do great things. So the question is, are you going to take the cross as your rescue? The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. For hundreds of years, God's people sacrificed animals as a temporary symbol of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make. But then in Hebrews it says that Jesus died once for all. And now he's set up at the right hand of God on high, ready to make intercession for us. John said, I write these things to you that you sin not, but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Please know this. There's nothing in me that makes me a good man. The only thing that gives me hope is that God took my stone heart out of me and gave me a heart of flesh. He took a dead man and he made him alive. That is my only claim to glory, and my only hope for goodness. The last thing I want to share about the cross is, the cross is not the end. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. I think it's very interesting that Jesus appeared first unto women. And also, as this passage states, that the message of the resurrection was first delivered unto women. I think it's significant on a couple of levels. Once again, first of all, Eve was the first one to sin. And Adam, being responsible for her, was labeled with bringing sin into the world. But Eve was deceived. And the devil convinced Eve to take of the fruit because it was good to the taste and good to the eye. And then Adam took the fruit from her that she gave him and did eat. And sin fell upon all mankind. And God prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 that there would be one who would crush the serpent's head. And that was Jesus. Jesus did that work on the cross of Calvary and punctuated it by the resurrection. The next thing about that that's significant is that women were not necessarily valued in that culture. As a matter of fact, when the women went to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive, uh, they thought that they were insane. They thought that they were telling tales, they thought that they were having delusions. And yet it was true. When Peter and John went to that tomb, they didn't find Jesus there. All they found was the folded grave clothes. And then Jesus would proceed to appear to many others. You know, when I was a kid, I used to wonder, why didn't Jesus just go back to Pilate after he rose and appear? But remember, Jesus said, Don't cast your pearls before swine. And so I think in this instance, Jesus was appearing to people whose hearts were already open to him. And we know that he appeared to the disciples on multiple occasions. In the upper room, twice, and then on the shores of Galilee, cooking them a breakfast. We know that he appeared to Mary Magdalene and was made known by her name. He simply said her name. And she knew from that point that it was Jesus. I find it interesting that for many people in the Bible who saw Jesus after the resurrection, their eyes were blinded first. Mary, she thought he was a gardener. The men on the road to Emmaus didn't know who he was. And the disciples didn't know who he was until he called out to them. Just very interesting that God chose to show himself by his words and to sometimes show himself gradually. But he did show himself to those who loved him. And we later read that he showed himself to 500 people at once. Charles Colson once said that Watergate was a great illustration for the truth of the resurrection because in Watergate's case, you only had a few people telling lies for a year and they couldn't hold it in. But if the resurrection wasn't true it meant that the disciples and all of their converts were telling lies and have been for the past 2,000 years. My friends, the resurrection is true. Paul said that the resurrection is the basis of our entire faith, that without the resurrection, the cross would mean nothing. But because the resurrection has happened, our faith is not in vain. Because the resurrection has happened, we don't have to live in fear. Because the resurrection has happened, we can live in victory. Before we close, I'd like to share with you a a video clip um, that I found on YouTube today that deals with the cross of Jesus. And I hope that you will Uh, take it under consideration and I'll be back in a few moments with some closing thoughts
2: The cross, you know rests on the timeline of history like a compelling diamond Its tragedy summons all sufferers Its absurdity attracts all cynics Its hope lures all searchers History has idolized it and disrespected it Gold-plated it and burned it Worn it and trashed it. History has done everything but ignored it. As you contemplate the importance of the cross today, where do your thoughts go? The whole of the crucifixion? Do they go to the person on the cross? The beaten and bruised body of Jesus? Do they go to the crown of thorns resting on his head? The labored breathing? Maybe this morning your thoughts are on something else. Something more specific. My thoughts go to the cross, but more specifically, I've been drawn to the nails this week. The, the nails of the cross, those spikes, the, the iron of the earth refined into a tool, this time a tool of torture. And as I think about it, and I let my wa- mind wander, these nails... They wreck my mind. They destroy it. They seem so brutal and so unnecessary, yet I know there is a reason. I know there is a purpose to these tools of torture. But the brutality of it all is overwhelming. Can you see his arm outstretched, his hand opened, the nails placed on his flesh, His face turned towards the hammer and the one who holds it forcefully in place. Can you see that he doesn't resist? That he has love in his eyes? That he's not fighting? That he is willing, willingly putting his body on the line? The nails, they leave a very physical wound, a mark. scar, And these wounds are on his hands, the very hands of incarnation at his birth, the hands of liberation at his healings, the hands of inspiration at his teachings, the hands of dedication as he serves, the hands of salvation, the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. Someday, someday you and I will be able to see the place where his nails once were.
0: It's kind of interesting, you know, Fanny Crosby wrote a song where she talks about um, how she'll know Jesus by the prints of the nails in his hands. And the significance of that is that Fanny Crosby uh, became blind at about two years old and she never saw through the rest of her life. And at one time, a pastor said to her, Fanny, it's a shame with all the blessings that God gave you that he did not give you back your sight. And she said, Pastor, I don't know why Jesus didn't give me back my sight, but I do know this. It's exciting to think that the first time I will open my eyes again, will be when I see Jesus face to face. And that's kind of, I believe, where the inspiration for that song came from. So I hope as we have contemplated the cross and all that it means for us as believers, that it has put you in a spirit of thankfulness as we are pressing on through this November. And I hope that you are having a wonderful month and a wonderful week and that you will continue to think about the things that you are thankful for. Be sure to share those with us here at the show um, with the contact information that will roll very soon. And with that, I'll simply say, have a great weekend and keep serving the best of Masters.